When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, it's Dan on today's podcast. Me, Mary Kay, and Ellis are going to talk about Baker Mayfield and his future as far as his fifth-year option and a possible extension after this season are concerned. We're going to put on our GM hats and and talk through all of that. First of all, though, I've got to tell you about Football Insider. Go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page, and check out Football Insider. You get a daily newsletter every single day emailed to you with exclusive content you won't see anywhere else. You get access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. And then there's our texting service where me, Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis will text you throughout the day with news and analysis, uh, anything that kind of pops into our heads throughout the day during games. We do pregame chats as well, uh, pregame Q&As. We have a postgame show. We have a, a texter come on to pick games every single Friday. So there's a lot of opportunities there. If you sign up for Football Insider, again, cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page. And now here's our Thursday podcast. everybody, welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great today, Dan. How are you? Doing well, and also Ellis Williams with us. Ellis, how are you? I'm tired, man. Late night last <laughs> night. I wonder why, but we're here to talk Brown, so let's do it. Right. Still a few more days of this, too, I think. But we'll keep this a football pod here. We'll, uh, we'll spare everybody the, uh, the stress of that as they listen to this pod. Um, we got to hear from Andrew Barry today. Uh, it's the first time we talked to him during the season. It's the bi-week tradition. You hear from the GM. And, of course, Baker Mayfield is a topic of conversation. We're going to really dive into Baker Mayfield here in a second. But I just want to start here. Um, you know, one of our texters actually I thought put it best. I'm, I'm going to pull this up here when I tweeted out what Andrew Barry had to say um, about Baker Mayfield, about the state of the team. Uh, one of our texters said, so tentative support for Baker, which – I replied, yeah, I think that's probably a fair way to put it. He didn't – look, Andrew Barry's not going to say a whole lot, but, you know, he definitely did not say a whole lot about Baker. Said he was pleased with what he's done. They, they've, he's done what they wanted him to do. But, Mary Kay, what was your impression of what Andrew had to say about Baker today? Well, I think he struck the right note. He was noncommittal about the future, and that is what he has to be right now. So I think he did a pretty good job of saying, hey, I'm not going to get into that narrative, but what I know is he's done a really nice job in these first eight games. He's put us in position uh, to win football games. He's won some games, and we think he's going to get better down the road. So I thought he walked a pretty fine line there, and I thought he did a pretty nice job of it. Uh, I suspect that they are feeling like he's going to be the guy that gets the – 
uh, gets the fifth year option, but uh, I thought he was once again, non-committal today. Oh, is that a pretty good assessment there, Ellis, of, of how Andrew approached this? Yeah, and that's the way he had to play it. It made sense, uh, much like how he sort of dances around the Odell Beckham Jr. stuff. It's it's how he has to land. Um, I thought he gave Baker some fair praise in spots, um, just saying how he's uh, put them in positions to win. He's bought into the system. Uh, those are key words in the sense that, yeah, Baker has come in and learned a new system and committed to being an under center quarterback when he's been a shotgun quarterback for most of his career. And, you know, that's not necessarily easy. And he's been coachable. This, and this could have gone a lot worse. And really right now it's gone about average. And that's what your hope is. And now you have a second half of the season to progress past this point. That's the goal. And that's why these next eight games are so important. But what it wasn't was him saying, we absolutely believe in Baker, right? I, I mean, that's, I, I guess we're, we're picking at some omissions there, but it, it is an omission that he didn't just, come out and say, hey, we absolutely believe in Baker. Um, Mary Kay? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And we have heard uh, other people tell us that before. We have, we have heard, uh, you know, John Dorsey say that. We have heard... Um, but Jimmy Haslam probably said Jimmy it right. Haslam say that. We've heard Freddie Kitchens say that. We've heard Hugh Jackson say that. We've heard a lot of people say, we are absolutely convinced 100% he is our guy, he is our future, and he's the man. Andrew didn't say that today. Now, I don't think that means he doesn't think he is that. I just think that, uh, you know, he's just kind of slow playing it, and that's the right note to strike because he doesn't know yet. Okay, let's, uh, let's do this then. Let's be our, uh, our own versions of Andrew Barry here. Let's, let's be the Browns GM. Uh, let, let's talk through this decision that the Browns have after this season. So to set this up, of course, this is Baker's third year. After his third year, he becomes eligible for that extension that every quarterback wants. Make a lot of money when you're a starting quarterback in the NFL, as we've seen. Uh, but the Browns also have the fifth-year option uh, to decide on, which changes this year with, with this draft class. So for those of you who heard about Miles Garrett's fifth-year option, David Njoku's fifth-year option, those options are not guaranteed except for injury. But now, starting with the 2018 class, those options are guaranteed. Uh, and, and there's some complications to it. But basically, here's where Baker is. He falls in the category of a player who hasn't made the Pro Bowl. You know, he's likely not to make the Pro Bowl this year. If we want to have some fun, we can go through some scenarios where maybe he does. But let's just, as, as we get into this conversation... Let's talk about him as a guy who hasn't made a Pro Bowl. And so he's essentially, his fifth-year option is the transition tender, but just a little bit less than that. Uh, it's calculated the third through 20th ranked salaries at his position this year. Um, so we're going to ballpark that in between 25 and $30 million. If it's higher than that, it's not going to be that much higher than that. So, so let's just start here with the fifth-year option. This is a two-part question. The first is, has he done enough to make you say, yes, you're picking up the fifth-year option? And if the answer to that is no, what does he need to do in the second half of the season, these final eight games, to say, yeah, we're picking up that fifth-year option on Baker? Well, first of all, uh, you know, before he headed into the Cincinnati game, which couldn't have gone any worse for a person who basically questioned whether or not he was or could, could be the franchise quarterback. <laughs> he goes out and he completes 21 pass straight passes and throws five touchdown passes and takes them down on the game winning drive with 106 left. Um, 
and wins AFC, AFC Offensive Player of the Week honors for that. Uh, so that was great timing on my part. But, um, but at that point, I had written a column saying that he had not yet shown that he uh, was their franchise quarterback. Why is it important? Uh, because that is a hefty sum of money. To have to pay him that in 2022, again, you're mentioning $25, $26 million. It's going to be impacted by how whatever happens with the salary cap with no fans in the stands. So the salary cap is going to come down some. Uh, so we're not sure about the number yet, but we're in the ballpark. You're talking about paying him that in 2022. So this is not next year. It means that you're projecting out that he's still going to be your guy and that you're going to want to pay him the amount that you would pay a franchise starting quarterback two years from now. It's a tough call to make. And as you need when you exercise the option and the deadline is in May, it is a tough call. In my opinion, he's not shown it yet. Why is that? Because that one Cincinnati game was not enough for me. I still felt the same way I felt when I wrote a column saying that he hadn't yet shown that he can be the franchise guy that can take your team to the promised land and take you where you want to go. And I'm I don't want to go on and on and on here. We can come back to this, but that one Bengals game was not enough to say to me, okay, I I've seen everything I need to see now that he can do this. I still need to see the rest of these eight games and the playoffs to make that determination. Ellis. Yeah. Look, let's, let's start with some stats just to put this in some context. Baker ranks 28th in completion percentage, 24th in yards per game, 26th in yards per attempt. Uh, that completion percentage stat, only Dwayne Haskins, Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold, and Carson Wentz are lower than him. Um, Lamar Jackson obviously brings a, much more to the offensive game than Baker can do. So you can have those lower completion percentages with Lamar. Um, for Baker, you need accuracy in the pocket you need to not turn the ball over and you need that yards per attempt number to go up. He, he needs to be a quarterback that threatens defenses deep. So far, I have not seen that guy, someone who like Mary Kay just laid out so well <clears throat> that you want to tie up franchise quarterback money for two years down the line. That's a long time away. And these teams need to, again, think in the present and have one foot in the future. And a lot can change by then. And if you aren't sure like if you're placing that bet thinking he will still become that guy, that's a risky future. You, you, you pick up the fifth year option because you know, he's that guy, not in hoping that he will eventually prove he's that guy by the, the fifth year. That's, that's the wrong way to, to approach this. I think there are those theories out there like, Hey, let's give Baker more time to grow into this system. No, in eight games, Andrew Barry and Kevin Spansky need to know 100% if Baker Mayfield is their franchise quarterback or not. And so far through these eight games with emphasis on those stats I laid out at the top and what we saw versus Baltimore and in Pittsburgh, he hasn't done that yet. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go a different way here. And this is just going to assume that the second half isn't a complete disaster and he's turning the ball over and he's looking like he did last year. I think right now I probably would lean towards picking up the option just because it's not a guarantee if you pick up that option that he's absolutely your guy. We've seen other teams do this. Now, I know, again, this, this time is different because there's that guarantee. 
So, you know, you're going to have him for that fifth year. You're not going to cut him and just eat that money. Um, but I think I would pick it up just because to me, even if you're not convinced he's your guy, if you think you can still win football games with him, at least for a year or however long till you can find somebody else, whatever it is, whatever that approach is going to be, you know, I think it's really hard to just go out and find that replacement. I don't know if you just go out and find that replacement. So if you feel comfortable with Baker, at least running your offense, if you feel like you can work with this coaching staff, you know, 25, 26 million sounds like a lot of money, but it's, I mean, it's really not that much money. If we're being honest, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is making 27 and a half million and he's, you know, among starting quarterbacks, that's not really that high up. Obviously Mahomes is the highest paid guy. Watson's yearly average is 39. Russell Wilson, 35. Roethlisberger, 34. Jared Goff is making 33 and a half million this year. Kirk Cousins is making 33 million. Carson Wentz, 32. So there's sort of a going rate for a quarterback. And once he gets out of that rookie contract, and we're going to talk about that, obviously, the extension is completely different. But I think just to kind of have myself covered, to know that I've got a guy, and look, I'm not the one spending the money. It's Jimmy Haslam's money, not mine. I, I think I might pick up that option just to protect myself. And if I have to move on after year five, okay, I'll move on. But I, I think right now, based on what I've seen, even though it hasn't been great, even though there's been some ugliness, even though we haven't seen him beat Baltimore or Pittsburgh yet, I'm probably just going to cover myself by picking up that option because I've got the space and my roster is not really too expensive just yet. You know what, Dan? I believe that that is what they probably will end up doing. I really think that that you are onto something there. I think they will probably do it because uh, you don't necessarily, if things change drastically, you might be able to find somebody that would trade for him for that amount of money that year. There, you know, there were a lot of people that really thought very highly of Baker coming out. There are still coaches and GMs out there that loved him and that. I think a lot still do love him. So there's a, you know, there's a world in which, you know, it could come to the point where you have him at that sum for that year and, and you trade it. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Uh, but the other thing is, like you said, it's not, uh, you know, it, it's not an astronomical sum of money. It's not $40 million like, uh, you know, like Patrick is making. Uh, and when you get to two years from now, it's going to probably sound like even less than it does right now. When you hear 25, $26 million for him for 2022, it probably won't even sound like that much then. But, um, but I think you're right. I think that, uh, here's the thing. If you know for sure that he is not the guy, then you don't exercise the option. If you, if you know for 100% sure that he's not it's a no-brainer. But if you're not sure, if you are not sure, you kind of have to do it because you don't want to give up on him too early. Andrew Barry said to even today that he is playing his first year in a brand new system. What if he looks a bunch better next year in his second year in the system with an off season? What if somehow he does functions better without Odell Beckham Jr., even though we've talked ad nauseum about how insane that can sound uh, in, in some respects. Um, but, you know, what if he does pick it up? So you're either going to be 100% sure that he's the guy and you give him an extension, which we'll get into more. You're either going to be not sure, you're going to be in that gray area of not sure, or you're going to know he's not the guy. 
And if you're in the gray area of not sure, you give him, you pick up the option. Yeah, th- that's that's all fair to me. It's it's going to be fascinating to see what, if any, sort of trade market uh, comes for both Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, uh, both te- quarterbacks in similar situations, despite their teams being in completely different situations. Um, so that'll be something interesting to follow. I don't know if Darnold being on the market would hurt a potential Baker market. It, it, perhaps it could help um, having them both available. Um, I agree with all that, Mary Kay. And, and Dan, on to your point about the, the, the numbers, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Colts um, have Philip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett uh, both in their top five of their salary cap. Those are like Phillip's making like 26 and Jacoby's right under them somewhere in there. Yeah, because so, they extended Jacoby last, I think before last season. Exactly, exactly. And they're, and they're doing just fine. And that's because um, they have a smart front office that can find talented young players they know when to pay their guys and they can afford sort of that. I don't know if you call it a quarterback luxury or just a quarterback uh, safe house of assets because they have allocated their other resources uh, efficiently. And that seems like the front office, the Browns are building here. So if they've got money to play with and are confident in their young players and who they're getting through the draft, there might not be a reason to quote unquote rush Baker and, and they can keep them around. I see that. Yeah. No- I guess to me, the difference between, you know, Darnold and Baker is like, if you're the Jets and you have the number one overall pick, you know, yeah, you're moving on from Darnold, but you're also going to replace him with Trevor Lawrence or maybe they end up loving Justin Fields or whatever. It's it's probably Trevor Lawrence. If you're the Browns and like, I don't know if there's a big decision coming on Baker this off season. I don't think there's like a, Hey, he's, He's here or he's not. I think Baker is here. I don't think there's any question that Baker is on this roster. Again, unless he's just a complete disaster in the second half. And this schedule is set up to the point where he shouldn't be. Um, I don't think there's any scenario where he's not here in, in 2021. It's just a matter of the money and what you want to do with the contract and like that, that extension that we keep dancing around. I promise we're going to get to that extension. But, you know, when we talk about this, I think it's important because I think some people hear this and they hear, well, you just want the Browns to move on from Baker after this season. That's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about how they see Baker fitting into their long-term future. You know, he's under contract in 2021. It's the fifth-year options for 2022. Um, So I I still think there's years where Baker's on this roster and the Browns have time to make that decision. Um, But again, if, you know, when you do start throwing out that, are you going to replace him? That's where it gets really hard. Unless you're the Jets and you have the number one pick and Trevor Lawrence is right there. Yeah, Dan, it gets really difficult. I, I hear that. And you know what, what, what Andrew Barry proved today and until that extension comes into play, all the Browns really are doing right now is casually dating Baker Mayfield. You're right. There's, <laughs> right. there's not, there's not a, a Trevor Lawrence in front of him where you have to make a decision. Uh, and they're just kind of in this casual relationship where they, they both help each other. But um, you know, as a younger 26 year old single guy over here I can say you know you, you, you still look around and you can have eyes for other things and that's what Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski are going to be doing with these this quarterback market whether it's through free agency or through the draft you you, you know they're going to have their eyes on other quarterbacks and that's why these next eight games are, are so important and even to the following season because you're right there isn't going to be a, a, a definitive moment where they're going to have to make a decision and that perhaps is what could play into their advantage too they will have more time to figure this out rather than having to to make a quick decision like that. You know, I do think there is a world in which he is not back uh, even next year, even though I think the chances of that are dwindling. And I do think that 
I don't know. I just got a vibe that 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 Bengals game meant a lot to them, uh, that they looked at that and said, this is what we've been waiting to see. Uh, so I don't, I think it's trending towards uh, 50 year option. I, I just, I feel that it's trending that way. And he's going to be playing uh, five more bad defenses coming up five defenses ranked in the twenties, very, very few good defenses coming up, very few defenses that have, you know, that really great pass rusher. We're, we're only going to see really two games Although some of the teams will play him a little bit differently. Some of the teams are going to start to try to pressure him even in other ways with blitzing and things like that, because they are starting to see that, you know, that makes him really uncomfortable, but there's only really two teams that you can honestly say have the capability, the manpower uh, to really harass him into submission. And we know who that is. I mean, it's the Baltimore Ravens and it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I would assume the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to play their full complement of players in that season finale. So there's really two more evals, two more games where you see what he can do against the AFC North. And I think that's important too, because this is not just a situation, right? This is not just, Oh, well, you know, you're playing the San Francisco 49ers and you know, you've got to see what Nick Bosa can do again. No, 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 no. You're talking about the AFC North. He has to be able to win big in his own division. And this is a really good defensive division. And so this is where he resides and must excel against those kind of teams. Yep. Mary Kay, I could not agree more. You can't be the fourth best quarterback in your division and have plans uh, being a perennial playoff team. Um, Two other games that I think narratively will impact how this goes for Baker, the Tennessee game, even though that defense is not what it was last year, um, Browns fans will remember what they did in Cleveland and Baker looking good versus that defense could, you know, sway public opinion. Um, and then I think the Giants game is a sneaky one. You know, everyone's going to just think that Cleveland needs to go in there and just destroy the Giants. That Giants defense played Tom Brady in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pretty tough on Monday night. They ended up rallying late down 11, I think, and winning the fourth quarter. Um, but they've got some players on that defense. That might be a defense that gives Baker some pro- trouble too, because if you can get in Tom Brady's face, imagine what they're going to do to Baker. So two sneaky games that, of course, all focus on the AFC North, but there's a couple other ones on the schedule that I'm going to have my eye on for narrative reasons. You know what another sneaky game is? And people might laugh at this. Eagles. Philadelphia. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I, I mean, I just looked it up. I looked it up yesterday for us. I looked up a different stat yesterday for a, a yep. post I was writing. But yep. PFF has them as the number one ranked pass rush. They're their number one graded pass rush. And they have 28 sacks this season. That's second to the Steelers. Yes. So for as bad as Philadelphia has been and as bad as Carson Wentz has been, yep. they do the thing that gives Baker trouble. Yeah. That's pressure. So yep. that's kind of a sneaky, let's keep an eye on, on this game too. So even yep. though the schedule, we talk about how, how kind of easy this schedule is and how it should get them into the playoffs – that is a game that I'm just sort of – I'm not ready to just come out and say, oh, yeah, the Browns are winning that game easy. Yeah, yeah. Dan, that's Philadelphia exactly – Philadelphia's not very good, but that defense can get after you. Yeah, that's exactly it because, like you said, it's perhaps uh, overall they're not viewed as a quote-unquote good, talented team, but they do specific things that Baker Mayfield doesn't uh, do well against, and that could be a difference maker. Yeah, and you know what? It is all about how 
one team matches up against another team. It's yep. all about how your strengths can attack my weaknesses and vice versa. And that's exactly what you're talking about here is that uh, the Eagles have something special that they can do that, that Baker has a hard time beating. Now, would it be that way necessarily against Derek Carr? Probably not because he gets rid of the ball very quickly and he, he functions well under pressure. Even Joe, Joey Burrow is functioning very, very well under pressure, but Baker struggles with that. And so that is one of those matchup situations. So, so they will get some eval there. And I've even have had people say to me uh, that it could be that way for him uh, with the Texans, that Romeo is going to come up with some things and have a few things planned uh, for Baker to try to cross him up and give him different, different looks. And if you can't, um, if you can't necessarily get to him or at least not get to him in the conventional way uh, that you can give him multiple looks and try to confuse him and do different things so that he is not able to get to that second read and those kinds of things that we've been talking about with him. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break here. And then we're going to talk about that word we've been throwing around extension for Baker Mayfield. We'll talk about that after the break. Back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ellis Williams. So I'm going to make a big assumption here based on how we all talked about the fifth-year option. I don't know that any of us in this, this group are going to raise their hands right now and say, yes, give Baker Mayfield an extension on January whatever. Start negotiating that extension. Um, so let, let's take this two ways. The first is, and we kind of touched on this right before the break, but the first is, what does Baker Mayfield do in the second half that makes you raise your hand and say, yes, as soon as the season is over, I'm calling Baker's agent and we're, it doesn't have to be a Patrick Mahomes extension. And, and we'll kind of get to that a little bit, but what, to at least start those extension talks, whatever they might look like, what does he have to do in the second half? Well, he's got to be the reason that they win more football games. I would say that he has to win uh, at least one of those games against Baltimore or Pittsburgh, or maybe both. Uh, but I think he's got to win one of those. Uh, I think he's got to get them to the playoffs. Uh, maybe even win a playoff game, but that's going to be really, really hard because they're going to be playing the, uh, you know, the best team or the second best team uh, in, in the AFC. So that would be really difficult. Uh, but I think he would just have to show, independent of so many other things around him, uh, that that he can be the guy in the way that, that Joe Burrow is showing that right now, right? I mean, Joe Burrow right now, you can watch his tape and see that he's that he's got the potential to be a great quarterback. And I even talked to Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus uh, the other day, and it was for a, a column that ran, I think, on Sunday or something like that. It was about Baker's future. And they were so high on Baker Mayfield. He was their number one quarterback yep. coming out in 2018. They loved him. And he said he is more emotionally invested in Baker Mayfield than anybody in years and years because of how much they loved him coming out. And I said to him towards the end of our conversation, what is your gut feeling about whether or not Baker is the guy? And he said, uh, I just don't know if he is the great quarterback, the great quarterback that we thought he was going to be. And that is the key to getting the extension is that you have to show and demonstrate that you are the great quarterback that can win your division, take your team deep into the playoffs and contend for a Super Bowl to get that extension. 
Ellis? Yeah, uh, Mary Kay hit a lot of good points there. Um, for me, specifically, there's some things I want to see. We, we talked about it a little bit on Gotta Watch the Tape. Um, I'd love to see single-digit interceptions. He's at seven right now. Uh, that means three, only three over the next eight games. Uh, obviously, that would be unlikely. If Vegas was putting out odds, it would not, you, you know, you would not be a favorite there. But that would be really impressive seeing that. You, I would see real progression in the second half of Baker Mayfield's season. Um, he needs to become a more of a progression thrower. Um, Sam also had a, a same guy, Mary Kay reference. He had a tweet after the Bengals game where he said, you know, Baker played good, but let's keep in mind, he only came off his first read twice that entire game, meaning the Bengals defense was so bad that well, the first guy who got open where Baker's the play was designed for, they were letting get open. And that's just where Baker went. That's, that's Baker being a good quarterback. When your first reads open, you're supposed to take it. But the problem is good defenses like the Steelers, take that first read away and now what and against the Raiders he got off his first read once and tried to hit Jarvis and Jarvis dropped it and on another one he got off his first read and threw the ball a good two yards behind Jarvis so it's just not consistent so I need to see him more consistently be a progressive thrower uh, progression thrower and then like Mary Kay said um, beating one of either Pittsburgh or Baltimore the Monday night game would be huge especially you know we're talking about narratives a Monday night win versus the Ravens would be huge. Um, of course, you'd like to see him beat both teams, but I'll say this. The optic, if he's going to split these games, if he's, if, you know, say the Steelers win in week 17 or something, optically, it needs to not look anything like it looked in Pittsburgh last time. And Dan, we talked a lot about that in the postgame show. Like, there's a loss, and then there's just a you don't belong on this field type of defeat. And that's what Pittsburgh was. If he can play some, you know, professional football and, and have the Browns in a close game with these teams, then that's a step in the right direction. And then the playoff game is the wild card. If this team makes the playoffs and how he performs there, you have obviously no idea who the opponent is. That's a wild card, but it's worth mentioning. Right. And if they, if they do make the playoffs and they, I mean, let's say they make the playoffs and they face Tennessee. Oh, now all of a sudden that's kind of a, Oh, maybe that's a winnable game right now. If it's Kansas city or, you know, I don't know if Baltimore would be in play there. Um, you know, then, then it, you start to think they won't. But as far as those two AFC North games, yeah. I, I just want to see, first of all, they're at home, right? And one's on a Monday night. Like, show me on a Monday night against the Baltimore Ravens that, hey, you belong on this football field with them, even if you lose the game. Like, just show me that, that this offense and you as a quarterback belong on a football field with these guys. And then, yeah, depending on how that Pittsburgh game looks in week 17, if Pittsburgh's locked up the one seed already, uh, maybe it looks different. But I think it's fair to to look at those games and, and judge those judge him against those teams because he's going to play the AFC North six times a year. And maybe Ben's not going to be around forever, but I don't think Mike Tomlin's going anywhere. And that Mike Tomlin defense isn't going anywhere. And we know Lamar Jackson and, and John Harbaugh aren't going anywhere. Uh, Joe Burrow is going to be around for a long time and they're starting to build something in Cincinnati. Too. So you better be able to prove yourself against your division uh, as, as those teams continue to stick around and in Cincinnati's case, get better. The extension itself, what, what do you think like the maximum, take Patrick Mahomes out of the equation. This is such a hard discussion because I think about a guy like Jared Goff, right? He led his team to a Super Bowl, got an extension in 2019. And, you know, I think there's still questions about Jared Goff, but he has led his team to a Super Bowl and there's games where he looks really good. But Carson Wentz, 
looked like an MVP until he got hurt that year when Philadelphia went on to win the Super Bowl. But he hasn't quite been the same quarterback since then. But they did sign him to an extension. Is that sort of what it's going to feel like with Baker in this offseason if he looks good or decent against this this second half schedule and maybe gets this team to the playoffs? Are we looking at a potential should, should we look at like Jared Goff and Carson Wentz as like templates or is that is that too lofty even? Well, you know what? It seems a little bit lofty, but I, I could still see it happening. I mean, you, he will gain a lot of momentum if this team goes to the playoffs. This town is going to be lit up and on fire for the Cleveland Browns. And remember what happened in the last eight games of 2018 when Baker Mayfield set the rookie record with 27 touchdown passes. They won five of those games down the stretch. What happened to the perception of the football team and of Baker Mayfield in those eight games, right? It was, it was through the roof. Nobody wanted to stop and take a look. And I've been saying this every time I write this, you really need to take an unflinching look at the facts. You really have to be able to look and say, who did you play? How did you do against a good opponent? How did you, how did you fare against a bad, you know, you have to really take that kind of a look at it and people are going to get caught up in the hype and caught up in the moment. And sometimes that can earn you an extension right there in and of itself. You can get that if you went, if you go, you know, 10 and six and you go to the playoffs and there's euphoria, you know, people will get swept up in that. And there is a world in which that could earn him a very lucrative extension in the offseason. Yeah, these things tend to take care of themselves. Mary Kay is so accurate about that. I mean, if he plays poorly against Baltimore, uh, does all right in New York, and then all of a sudden gets smacked up against the Steelers, and then your last taste is a Browns playoff game and Baker doesn't look good, this is going to take care of itself. You know, the narrative will write itself. What gets tricky is this mixed bag baker that we keep analyzing. So in that, if that's the case, we keep getting mixed bag baker and this team has to make a decision. I think the Jared Goff contract is far too lofty. Um, I'm pretty sure like Jared Goff's the third highest played player in the league this year. And I understand this is how quarterback contracts work, um, but the Browns do not want to be in that position um, because it looks like some weeks that the Rams regret being in that position with Jared Goff. And Jared Goff's a, a much better quarterback right now than Baker Mayfield is. For me, it would be a Jimmy Garoppolo type deal. And I don't know the whole inner makings of that contract, but from what I remember when it, when he signed it a couple of years ago, probably three years ago now, um, it was very front loaded, probably something like 40, 50 million over the first one or two seasons. And then I actually just saw um, that because there's this tweet flowing around that like Jimmy could have played his last snap as the Niners um, he's due 24 million this year, but if he's cut because of all the front loading, he's only like a $2 million cap hit. So that, you know, now they're in a spot where they have an easy out with Jimmy and that's the type of contract I could see Andrew Barry uh, positioning Baker for. We're like, all right, we'll, we'll front load you here, but we need a way out just in case this does go bad. Because again, it's, it's, it's the casual dating thing where we're not ready to marry it yet, man. <laughs> not ready to move in and get that dog just yet. <laughs> um. What, what message does it send if they do decide not to uh, not to do an extension this offseason? Can they are, – are there lo- 
this sounds weird. Are there long-term ramifications? Of course there are, because you didn't sign an extension. What I'm saying is like in that locker room with that team, is there the risk that if you don't do some kind of extension, even if it is like Ellis said, a front-loaded one, and maybe you just kind of have to, maybe you just have to take a deep sigh and say, you know what? I think we can win some football games with this guy. So let's, let's do this thing and see where we are in three years. Is, is that better than maybe the message it sends if you don't do an extension after this year? Or can they, can they get away with that? I, I think it does send a message and, and perception is very, very powerful. If they don't sign him to that blockbuster extension, the number one overall pick in 2018, and they do not, they do not extend him. I think it says to him, to the community, to the team, to the league, we're just not sure about this guy. We're just not sure. And I think that is a large and loud statement to make. We are not sure about you. It sounds very different than you are our guy. You're taking us to the promised land and we are behind you 100% and we're doing everything that we all can uh, to work together uh, to challenge for a Super Bowl. So I, I do think that uh, that they they would have a there there would be some repercussions and some perception issues if they decide not to do this. Yeah, this is really going to come down to three simple ingredients. I think it's it'll be Baltimore, Pittsburgh, um, and then what other quarterbacks they may stumble upon. You know, you just don't know what the market may look like. You don't know what how the evaluation the draft process might be this year. And those are all going to have to be taken into account. And then you make a decision on Baker Mayfield. And as for the ramifications with Baker in this town in the locker room. Yeah. I mean, look what just happened to Mitch Trubisky. I mean, as soon as you don't pick up that fifth year option and your leash is, is now short at Sever Ben, they go ahead and make a switch, you know, and I, I don't know if Kevin's fancy wants Case Keenum to be his Nick Foles. That's not what I'm implying here. I'm just saying that it, the writing becomes on is, is on the wall once you decline that fifth year option. And, at that point, it would probably be time for both sides to, you know, start some something new somewhere else anyway. Well, this is going to be interesting to see. This is going to be one of the intrigues of the offseason. And look, the reality is Baker has a chance to put this to rest. Yep. I, I don't know. I know you don't always see that situation, but Baker's got a chance over these eight games. You know, he's got some momentum. I, I didn't think he was the problem against Las Vegas. I didn't think he played great against Las Vegas necessarily, but I thought he did enough. If there's some balls that don't get dropped there and, uh, you know, he – I thought he made throws he needed to make in really difficult conditions. So I think that still was a step in the right direction. He's got momentum. He's got the opportunity. And I, look, people might be listening to this and saying, Oh my gosh, how can you guys be so negative about Baker? It's, it's not negativity. It's a, these are the discussions the Browns are going to have and, and are probably already having about this quarterback because there's a lot of money on the line. They want to start winning and, and these are the discussions you have to have as a front office. So it's not negativity. It's just trying to, to approach it realistically. And Baker's got a chance to put it all to rest over, over eight games and say, yeah, I'm the guy. Pick up that option and pay me. Yeah, Dan. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, my friend. I was going to say the other thing to consider here with him is that, uh, you know, this isn't a situation where with Carson Wentz, now he just recently found Travis Fulgham and now he's got somebody uh, to throw the ball to. Right. Uh, but this is a situation where uh, Baker Mayfield was placed in a really nice cockpit, as Bill Savage used to say. He has one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. He's got an embarrassment of riches at running back, an embarrassment of riches at tight end. He's got 
no more does he have Odell, but he still has Jarvis Landry and a good receiving core. So they gave him uh, just every opportunity to succeed this year. So therefore, I do think the bar should be set a little bit higher than just like, hey, yeah, he looked okay. I mean, I think in this situation, uh, he really needs to take it up a notch in these last eight games. Yeah, Mary Kay, that's exactly that because I guarantee you in Berea, they're not crossing their fingers hoping they play the NFC East and the AFC South every year. This is about beating the Ravens and the Steelers and eventually Joe Burrow and not being, you know, third or fourth in that pecking order anymore. They got to break through. And the best way to do that is maximizing every position. And right now you, you can say the quarterback is the B if all the other parts Mary Kate has listed out are the A minus or A's. Well, I feel like this is a discussion we're probably going to have again. <laughs> we record one of these podcasts every day. I'm sure we're going to stumble across this topic again between now and whenever March. And I know that fifth year option decision is in May. So I'm sure, uh, I'm sure this topic is going to come up again and again here on the orange and brown talk podcast so we get everything is there anything out there that that you guys wanted to add to this i mean we've been going for almost an hour so i just want to make sure we didn't miss anything before i i say so long here no i i think we i think we got it that's your baker ellis Ellis, do you know what you have coming up on gotta watch the tape i I know you guys did baker on tuesday so everybody should go check that out it's probably a little a little ahead here so i don't know if you know what you have coming on friday or not we are actually taking our own bye week on Gotta Watch the Tape. So okay. we are not recording Friday. We thought, you know, with being three episodes until we see new, a new game, let's, let's take a little break here, reset, and then we'll come strong with uh, an episode Tuesday and then looking ahead uh, to that Texans game. Take some time and do a little self-scout. That's the plan. <laughs> well, on Friday, we will have our, our usual picks pod. Um, and then we're also going to have – we're going to do awards. So uh, make sure you're subscribed to that because we will get our picks for uh, week nine. And then we're going to do some Browns first half awards. So uh, you'll want to check that out. Get subscribed to the orange and Brown talk podcast, wherever you get your pods. And then also check out football insider, cleveland.com slash Browns. It's a big blue banner at the top of the page. That'll do it for this pod. Ellis and Mary Kay. Thanks. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening everybody.